Hello and welcome to Tarot Bites. I'm Teresa Reed, the Tarot Lady, and I'm the author of the Tarot Coloring Book and your host for this podcast series. This is a special bonus episode of Tarot Bites. And Tarot Bites is a podcast where I dish out short, entertaining, bite-sized lessons on how to read tarot. Now, for today's, tepo- for today's episode, our topic is animals in tarot. And I've got some very special guests with me today. I am speaking with Lola and Tigre from Wild Messengers. These guys are the geniuses behind the upcoming Wild Messengers Alchemical Tarot and Guidebook. Welcome. Thank you so much for having us. It's an honor to be here. Oh, it's an honor to speak with you guys. I'm so stoked about your deck, which we'll talk about in a minute. But, um, you know, I had a reading by Lola many, many years ago. Uh, to find out about my the animal that was basically kind of like my guy, so to speak. And I found out through you that it was a red wolf. Yeah. And, you know, that was such an interesting, awesome experience. So knowing that you're coming out with a deck is, of course, really right up my alley. Uh, because it's tarot and also because I love animals. I'm just absolutely <laughs> fascinated by them. And, um, you know, well, before we even start asking some questions, can you tell me briefly how you got into doing all this animal work. Yeah, well, I couldn't really avoid it, um, as it is with most of our spiritual gifts. They come back to haunt us and bite us if we don't listen. And I found that as I started to make some big changes in my life about 10 years ago, basically setting boundaries and saying no to things that were no longer a fit for me, that's when all those gifts started to come back online. And I, I see that pattern a lot with the people I work with. And one of those gifts happens to be a real um, acuity for sensing the animal resonance that people carry. And that's not whether you're a cat person or you're a dog person. It's really um, who is your wild messenger who out of the animal kingdom has specific wisdom for you right now in your life. And it was very strange for that gift to come online for me. I only learned later that my mom also has that gift and that my grandmother's grandmother on my mom's side was a a precognitive psychic. And so I didn't realize I was activating a whole ancestral lineage of uh, intuitive tapping in and mine happens to have an animalistic flavor to it. Um, which led me on a, a huge journey, and it led me to Tiger, my husband, Tigre, who wasn't always named Tigre. That was part of our initial relationship, was really unleashing our wild selves, and his happens to be the shape of a tiger. So, <laughs> Yeah, and I, I've always appreciated animals just like you have, and one night when we were out camping on one of our first dates, she's wearing a fox hat, and then when I posted the photos from that, from that camping event where I took a photo of her, I just titled it Le Fox because uh-huh. she speaks French. Uh-huh. And I just love doing that. And she started to be like, wait, there's like, that's the first time I've been given my kind of yeah. animal persona. And then she was like, all right, well, great. If you're, if I'm your fox, then you're my tiger. And I'm like, no, 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 no. I'm not a tiger. <laughs> I resist. I resist. I'm not. A big I'm cat. not. <laughs> and so, she then rat, rattled off about five different things about me saying, well, you got tiger tails. You went to Princeton. You have black and orange tattoos. You have a tiger shark on your back. You're tall. You're sensual. You love water. I'm like, dang, you really, I am a tiger. Wow. This is tough, tough pill to swallow. And so because of like, you know, the, the weirdness of tiger woods and what he, how he behaved, I didn't really like the word tiger as my name. And so since I speak Spanish, I chose tigre. 
And we ended up using, when I went back down to Peru, because we were only dating for about 30 days, three weeks in person. person. Um, I went to Peru indefinitely, and we wanted to maintain what we had, which we didn't know what it was, but we wanted to. And so we set up a, I believe you set it up, actually. A little anonymous blog between Fox and Tiger. And so we would embrace our personas as Tiger and Fox or Tigre Mm -hmm. and write poems and messages and leave surprise gifts uh, in between our text messages from long distance say hey there's something up on the blog you might want to check it out so it'd be a photo it'd be a cartoon it'd be a poem it'd be a short story and we really started to embrace those alter egos yeah and i think the animals have opened the door now for so many people who want to tap into their unique flavor of wild and i can't uh, I can't read everyone's energy in the world, <laughs> nor do I want to. And and yet I feel there's such powerful access to like the internal mechanisms that we all carry and sometimes have blind spots around that the animals are this super gentle way of illuminating that. And since I can't do that for everyone, I thought, well, we can do that for a lot of people if we create it in a deck and knowing about tarot versus oracle decks and really feeling the potency of the tarot and the way that it expresses the the alchemy of human transformation and the specific steps every single person goes through as they're shifting and growing. And then pairing that with the messages from the animals that I intuitively connect has been such a powerful experience to create Mm -hmm. that and then know it can go out in the world and have such a bigger impact than I could on myself or Tigre and I could together. And now we've got this great artist who's really brought the vision to life. And so, uh, yeah, that's how this project came to be. That's so amazing. And, you know, I, I love how you shared your story about your relationship too, because I'm a romantic. So I love hearing that. (laughs) Those kinds of backstories are so exciting. We have a book called Strangers to Soulmates, and it's our poetry that we wrote to each other. <laughs> I love that. And it's published. It's on Amazon. So there's a lot of love in this deck. You know, it really yeah. comes from a love of the animals, and it was birthed from the love we have for each other, which was totally this alchemical process. Very and wild. And this wild cosmic mm-hmm. artist we have. There's some serious good juju in this deck. <laughs> oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. I've seen it. So, you know, we're talking uh, about your deck, but let's talk about like a traditional tarot deck for a second. Yeah. You know, um, of course, in the, one of the most popular decks is the Rider-Waite-Smith deck. It's probably the one most people associate with tarot, uh, even though the Marseilles and the Thoth deck are also two decks that are very popular. That's the one I think most of us really go to. It's one I like to say I cut my teeth on. Yeah. <laughs> and, and in the Rider-Waite-Smith deck, you know, animals play a prominent role. And they carry special meaning. So I'd love to talk about a few different animals that show up in the Rider-Waite-Smith deck. And mm-hmm. I would like your thoughts on what you think they symbolize. Oh, great. Excellent. Let's do it. Yes. So in like, for example, the Queen of Wands, she's got a little black cat in front of her. What do we need to know about black cats? Mm. Black cats, they say, once they cross your path, it's bad luck. But we all know that those old myths and legends usually are the flip side of the truth, which is that it's good luck, like the number 13 or um, any of those unlucky things that are superstitious in current times. We're actually numbers of the goddess and signs of the goddess, signs of our divinity. And with a black cat at the queen of wands, it's like master your 
creativity. And if a black cat is coming in, there's power with that. There's power and there might even be a little bit of fear, like what could happen if I do step into my creative power? What could happen if I own who I really am as the, the sovereign queen of my life? scary, but also a huge opportunity. And so if that black cat is crossing through that card, I would say there's an invitation to follow it. Right on. I love that. So let's talk about dogs. I'm going to, I want to talk about two different dogs in, in the tarot deck. So in the fool, there's a little white dog that's following the fool and it, you know, it's kind of like yapping at his heels. So I'd like to have your thoughts on what you think of that dog. And then I'm going to talk about another dog that shows up. Awesome. I think there's two initial impressions I get. One is that when we're making a leap of faith, there are a lot of little niggling thoughts that get in our way and want to hold us back, like nipping at our ankles, going, wait, 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 are you sure? Are you sure? And the job of the fool is to kind of heal, you know, heal those <laughs> thoughts, like put them on a leash and and take the leap anyway. But also this, the color white is the color of innocence. And so um, dogs are very loving, they're very loyal, oftentimes they're very innocent. And so there's also this sense of playfulness, of naivete, of, of not needing to know, and just, just going for it in a kind of a playful way. So there's kind of two things I feel from that dog. What about yeah. you, Tigre? Well, I'm definitely a little tainted because we do own your coloring book, and I really appreciated <laughs> your take on it. And I, I did feel, because it it has a smile to its face and just really seems re like gung ho that its owner is also gung ho. So there's a lot of that embracing in companionship and that don't go it alone. Like you were saying mm -hmm. in it and that you can find in the darkness and the crazy unknown that if you bring your friends along, it's way more fun. Oh, I love that. I do too. And I think that's just a beautiful sentiment too. So let's talk though about, there's another dog um, that pops up in the, in the Rider Waite Smith deck, there's two dogs, speaking of friends, hanging out in the Ten of Pentacles. And the Ten of Pentacles is his family, and it's got two dogs. So what will we? What do you guys think when you see two dogs hanging out? Well, I think of abundance. There's enough food to go around. There's community. Um, there's probably celebration. There's gathering. If the dogs aren't fighting, then they're friends, you can assume. And, and so it means there's enough for all to share. And... Um, to wag your tail a bit and celebrate the good times. Yeah, I'm just picturing also two dogs. There's always the flip side too. It's if there is strife within there that it's, okay, make sure that you're gonna go defend what you need to to also stay alive, but there is still making sure everyone is fed within that. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, at times of need, you do resort to what my needs are at the very mm -hmm. end of the day and that pressure. But I feel like being the number 10 in that suit, that it's starting to show that you've come to completion as well. Mm -hmm. So you're building mm -hmm. enough to share. I feel like Lola's is way more on point. <laughs> oh, no, I love what you have to say, too. I think that's really great. Um, so both of them are, uh, I mean, both your thoughts, you know, it, here's the thing with tarot and, and all these things. We're all going to find so many ways to look at these cards and we learn from each other's interpretations. You know, we always walk away later on thinking, huh, yeah, that's a really great point. So I, I love hearing both of your ideas around the Ten of Pentacles. You know, when I see the Ten of Pentacles, two and the two dogs, I always think of pack. Mm -hmm. You know, it's the mm -hmm. family together, the pack. And I think yeah. of Game of Thrones, 
the pack <laughs> survives. <laughs> yes, well, exactly. And also, we have it pulled up too with the boy kind of resting his hand on the dog. So there's mm-hmm. loyalty within that, and definitely yeah. the pack within it. And they're also not fighting over a bone. Right. right. No, they're, they're they're sitting. They're in calm. There's another hand outstretched. Um, the man is petting the dog's nose. So there's friendly. And that's saying that, yeah, we've we've been through it all and we're here in family. So, yeah, we've come through it together. Oh, I love that. So <laughs> what about those two dogs? I mean, are they dogs? Are they wolves? Are they jackals that are showing up in the moon? And they're not looking very friendly. What do we get around those dogs? Mm, I feel that when we're operating by the moon, there's this real potential to get lost in the shadows. Mm-hmm. There's this also creepy lobster, right, coming out of the water. <laughs> and so those animals, it it's like you could have a lot to be afraid of when you start to explore the unseen realms. But are you going to let that get in the way of your path? Like these dogs are kind of a guardian of the path. And can you... Can you walk through that initial maybe scared reaction and perhaps find out that what you were so afraid of isn't so scary after all? I feel like those dogs represent our fears and Mm -hmm. the path represents the opportunity and always the opportunity is is moving through the fear, right? The fear is not going to go away. The dogs aren't going to go away. There's always going to be some sort of dog in this Mm -hmm. fight. And so your choices, are you going to be the, the bigger person and make your way down that, that road and, and find that the moon is also illuminating? Mm-hmm. I love yeah. that. Because they're definitely, with their hackles raised, I mean, I, I know they're as defensive. an illustrator yeah. that it's tough to, especially on small cards like this, to communicate everything. And there's a reason why that hair is very apparent on both of the dogs, because the other ones are white and smooth. Yeah, these um, ones are like, ah. There's a ten of pentacles. So. <laughs> and it's showing our animal nature. Yes. And also, I mean, in some ways, the dog is barking at the moon, and there is a slight kind of pensive look on the moon's face and the crescent shape of it. I don't know if that was just an accident by the artist in some ways, but I don't feel like that's the case. Um, and so we can get to really salute and say our voice within it and be a part of that journey and that path. And use it as a guidepost too Mm -hmm. and let our animal nature come forth. Yeah. I think all the animals have this shadow light play that we all do anyway, but it's easier to understand it and see it and kind of depersonalize it when it's animated by animals. And then it makes it a little bit more absorbable and perhaps relatable. So seeing a dog with its hackles raised could be a sign of, are you being defensive? But if you come right out and saying that, it's a little bit more pointed, you know, it could, right. it could make you even more defensive. So I love the the way that the imagery communicates that. Yeah, I do too. And I, I think that the other thing to think about too, with the two animals in that, or the two dogs or wolves or whatever they are, um, it really represents the animal instincts. Because when you think about it, when things are dark, which often it's dark when the moon is in the sky and there's no sun. Sometimes, you know, in life, life is dark and we have to use our instincts to guide us. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And it's that, that lobster crawling out of the water. That's our primordial instincts, yep. our, our deepest intuition, our, our deep unconscious. And 
that's what we have to draw upon. It's 95% of our thoughts anyway. So, you know, it's going into that autopilot and saying, wait a minute, uh, I need to make these conscious and I need to walk this path with intention. And it's not going to be my intelligence that gets me to where I want to go. It's going to be these wild instincts. And maybe I have to be fiercer than I am used to. Maybe I'm used to being a people pleaser and I've got to call these aspects of myself forward. Right on. So what about, let's, let's talk about one of the weird animals in this stuff, <laughs> the snail in the Ten of Pentacles. Ooh. There's a little teeny mm-hmm. weeny snail way down by her feet. So what do you guys think that little snail is telling us? Well, I think the obvious would be that, you know, like the, the tortoise wins the race. It's not by going fast that you're going to achieve the fruition of what it is you're trying to build. And maybe it's fragile a little bit too. You know, I think of snails and I think of fragility. They are very vulnerable. That shell is their entire house. Everything that they have to rely on is is all in that precious little package and just one little step on it and it's smashed to smithereens. So there's like a, a fragility and also a slow pace. So it might, to me, symbolize that what you've built needs time to solidify, that it's not as solid as you might want it to be, like you're impatient a little bit, and to uh, to go slowly and to be mindful of where you were stepping, maybe not step on something in the process of rising up yourself, mm. uh, making sure you don't crush others in your rise. Oh, I love that. <laughs> There's also, so snails a lot of times are nocturnal and they do a lot of their their devastation at night as a, as a gardener I know this for the most part and I watch them retreat in the morning so they can go find a spot to slurp up onto so they can preserve their moisture and so it's interesting that we have harvest and so it could also be a sign of if you want to preserve the harvest beware of the slow silent things that do the work at night and so mm-hmm. it could also be calling forth to you know Maybe maybe it is ideal to actually potentially stop this thing that might prevent your harvest um, yeah. as a flip side, too. So maybe I that's like that. the reversal. Oh, my God. I love that interpretation. <laughs> now, you guys, I got to tell you, my husband's a great gardener and I have a black thumb. I kill everything. So I would <laughs> never come up with that because I, yes, I, I know nothing about gardening. So there's no way I would have even came up with that interpretation so you've taught me something completely new and uh lola i love the idea too of everything's on his back it's all contained and it's fragile these are such great ways of looking at that snail and oftentimes i think when people go to tarot they don't think about that little snail so this is really really awesome great insights and it's funny because the peregrine falcon on the hand is interesting as well because it's hooded yeah it's like embodied, it's in control of intense animal power. It's it's kind of like the, it's not the, I think the full triumph of humanity, if you want to look at it that way, is, is really the domestication of animals. Yeah. Because we used, used them for power before we had uh, petroleum. We're going to talk about that with horse. And this one is just, it's, it's showing that you're getting so close to having that full embrace and then the riches from this nine of pentacles that follows with the ten where you know, abundance there. You're with yeah. your family. Everything is all good. <laughs> cool. You know, it's one time I did a reading for somebody who had just gotten married and that card came up for her. And for some reason, I don't know why, but I said, 
I think you've tamed your partner oh. because of the Falcon. And she said, you know, he was a really wild guy back in the day. So, yeah, he's like uh, really like mellow now that we're married. So it was kind of a funny, weird Interesting. <laughs> let that bird fly sometimes. Yeah. Gotta let it, yeah, sometimes you got to spread those wings. So let's ask about one more. I know there's a, we could probably talk all night about, you know, all the different animals, but I want to talk about the horses for a moment. Mm-hmm. because there's a lot of horses in the rider Waite smith deck. So first of all, what do we need to know about horses as symbols? Well, I think the first thing, like any animal message, is to look at what is that animal doing? Mm-hmm. How are they postured? What kind of action are they in? Horses are always a vehicle. They are an animal that we have domesticated to take us places we can't go by ourselves. So they represent a channel for power. Is that power in control of us or are we in control of the power? Is it in risk of running you know, away with us or are we really using it for good? Um, and it really, is it coming to visit you? Is, is something coming towards you on this vehicle? Are you going somewhere on this vehicle? It's really about going places and and embracing slash riding slash taming uh, or being overpowered by power. Mm. So yeah, they're very much chariots. I mean, we have all seven of them pulled up, and they're all they're all mounted. Mm-hmm. Not a single one is not domesticated. <clears throat> so let me ask you this then, and here's one thing that I always found very fascinating: mm-hmm. the figure, the Knight of Cups. He's on a horse, and if you look at his horse, it's poised exactly as the death cards. Mm-hmm. So, what mm-hmm. can what can that tell us about the these two cards together? I really think that's interesting. Well, in the death card, it's as if death is coming to you, right? It's not something you're instigating. It's something that is happening, and you need to be with that and deal with that. Are you going to get trodden by this horse? Are you going to stand to the side? Are you going to respect it? Uh, that that horse is bringing you a big change, right, when it comes to the death card, whereas the Knight of Cups is riding the horse. And so it's almost as though you're taking charge of whatever that change was, that invitation, and now you're riding it. Now you've answered the invitation, and not only are you not afraid anymore, but you're you're bringing something to others through that. Knight of Cups is a bearer. He's got a golden cup in his hand, so he's he's bringing that to others. So it goes from kind of the thing happening to you to what are you going to do with that and take it and what gifts are you going to offer because of it? I love that. Tigre, mm-hmm. do you have anything else to add to that? Yeah, I think, you know, within death too, because they're both in knights in armor, um, right. the mm-hmm. crest has fallen on death as well. It's kind of instead of the wings of... Um, Oh gosh, Nike or the, the messenger in victory. That's the word I was looking for are mm-hmm. upright for the Knight of cups. And in the death card, they're fallen and kind of besodden and disheveled, disheveled yes. and not really exciting anymore. So it's also to, you see yourself that you will become death at some point. You will join death in that manner. And it's just a matter of time really within it. In terms of the position, I know, I don't remember perfectly but a lot of times symbols for horses depending on how they're positioned if they're rearing or if they're one hoof up or if they're all hooves down 
that symbolized how that person who was in that monument passed away during mm-hmm. that battle. So all four down means that they like never, they're always stable and they live to a long, long mm-hmm. life, one foot up. Sometimes like they are died in battle or that type of stuff. So I'd have to look into more of what that symbology is with regards to the horses and statues. I think something about horses in general, especially with these two cards, is that is a very proud looking horse, regardless of the state mm-hmm. of the rider. The horse is poised and confident and not too bedraggled, looks a little different on the death card, but you know, very, very similar. And so it's like the vehicle is not the problem. The horse is not the problem. The message is not the problem. It's how you interpret it and how you ride the message that's going to determine your fate. And um, so don't blame the horse. You know, the horse has got it. It's all good. <laughs> yeah, it's interesting that it's not a skeleton horse or anything mm. like that. Yeah, it's, it's very, a full horse. It's a healthy yeah. horse. Yeah. Very cool. So, I mean, there's more animals. Again, we could talk all night, but... Uh, we're trying to, of course, keep the podcast as brief as possible, although I sometimes go way over when I get into an interesting topic, and I just love talking about this stuff. But I want to talk about the tarot deck that you guys have created, because mm-hmm. it is all animals. It is fabulous. It okay. is a tarot deck that I think is bringing a whole new, uh, I don't want to say flavor, but you're bringing a whole new level of depth with these animals and the animal medicine. So I'd love you to tell me about your deck. Oh, thank you so much. Well, every bit of it is steeped with love and also symbolism. We spent a lot of time, Tigre in particular, especially with the card backs. You know, you wouldn't think that that was such an important part of a tarot deck, but it really is because it's like the sacred home for the message. And so it really has to resonate. And Tigre, you want to talk a little bit about why you put the snake on the back of the deck? Yes, because I have consistently seen the malignment of serpents throughout our our present day culture. And the serpent's bad. The serpent's in the tree of knowledge of good and evil. And it, Reptilians. And it convinces the... <laughs> The woman to feed the apple to the man, all woman's fault, all serpent's fault. And I really had a hard time always wanting to believe that these amazing creatures that can move without arms or appendages were something to be just destroyed and ridiculed or looked down upon. And they serve such strong ecological functions in um, the world that I really appreciate them. And in our studies, too, of plant medicine as well, ayahuasca um, – has shown a writer that in the cosmic serpent, that DNA and that helix is really like two serpents or the, I'm going to get the word wrong, caduceus. Caduceus. Caduceus, thank you. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, And that intertwining, and then you start seeing it within culture after culture, separate from each other, showing this intertwining from visionary states of working with mushrooms or other entheogens, that there's this crazy thread of life that mm-hmm. forms the shape of a double helix, a.k.a. two serpents entwined, and trying to figure out what are we going to put on the back? Are we going to put a logo? Or are we going to put a cool border? Or are we going like, to – these are animals. Design. Which animal do I choose? I mean, <laughs> it's even it was even hard to even put just the antlers in our logo for wild <laughs> messengers. I was like, which animal do I do? There's so many, and I don't want anyone to feel left out. Mm. And I felt like that the serpent was a messenger – 
like it was the first messenger really from a Judeo-Christian perspective. And it was the one that really brought us into our awareness of ourselves. And I felt like this would be appropriate to have that be on the back of the deck because it is bringing the kernel of knowledge and the kernel of experience of life. And it is our DNA that, you know, carries our traits and carries our behaviors in a lot of ways. And So just the back of the deck the represents getting to know yourself and healing yourself. And what else is the tarot but that? Right on. I totally so, agree. Yeah. <laughs> so we, we put a lot of feeling and effort into getting that right. And it's this beautiful raised texture. So it even feels like a snake. I'm actually still, we have a launch for our Kickstarter <laughs> Yes. this Thursday, as we're speaking on the 8th of October. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm still tweaking the deck and improving it. I found ways when I was preparing for the Kickstarter page, like, oh my gosh, I really want a watercolor behind all of our pentagons, which symbolize <laughs> the, the four elements plus the fifth being spirit, which we're saying is the major arcana. Since yeah, it's the so archetypal experience. The structure of the deck is traditional tarot, all 78 cards. Plus two bonus cards. Plus two surprise bonus cards. Yay! We love um, the bonuses. <laughs> <laughs> we can't wait to reveal those. But the one thing that we really felt was important was to also make the the tarot archetypes more inclusive and non-binary. And so all of the majors have been named in such a way so as to be inclusive, as inclusive as possible. So some of the names are the same, like the fool, but we have alchemist for magician. We have healer, Gaia for empress, elder for emperor, oracle, lovers, journey, power, retreat. So really speaking to the place and the journey that the archetype represents versus the name of the archetype itself uh, for for most of these. And then for the suited cards, they are also non-binary and they are seeker, initiate, teacher, and master. So it it takes some of that, well, I don't really see myself in this or I can't relate Mm -hmm. to this and puts that away so that you can just tap into the wisdom of the animals. We really wanted that to be front and foremost. And of course, that's all you see on the face of the cards is just this beautiful watercolor art by our artist, Tanya Castile. And the animals really spoke uh, specifically to me about where they wanted to live in the deck and what card they wanted to represent. And, and oftentimes I didn't really know why, because I'm more familiar with animals than I am with a tarot. And so it's been this beautiful two-year learning process of all of the, the messages and pathways that each card in the tarot deck represents and then figuring out why it is that animal raised its paw or wing to be <laughs> placed in that particular position and then finding the words to really um, express the medicine in such a way so as to resonate with a tarot you know because it's yes. not just an oracle deck you're not just drawing mm-hmm. a wolf card and learning about wolf as a messenger you're learning about wolf as a messenger through the lens of the hierophant mm-hmm. love that And, um, you know, the thing is, I think people who are traditionalists, like myself, will really love the fact that you've made it very much like a tarot deck that you, you know, haven't uh, done anything what we would consider like, oh, my God, they've changed it too much. Um, Because, you know, it's not going to be confusing then for us to read it. But at the same time, what you're also doing is 
you are taking some things and making them so modern. I love the fact that you're do being inclusive and non-binary because one of the biggest problems with like, for example, the Rider Waite Smith deck is it is very heteronormative, uh, totally. male and female. And, you know, years and years ago when I did a reading for somebody and it was a, it was a guy who sat down and I got a queen in the reading and I started describing this woman who, you know, was very high maintenance. And he says, no, 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 I'm, I'm gay. My my partner is a male, but he's exactly like that. <laughs> and it really changed my whole thinking about yeah. the whole gender things. So seeing a deck like this that is inclusive, that doesn't have that, you know, black and white, so to speak, yeah. I just think that's so modern. I think that is uh, needed. And it's going to make a lot of people feel like I can work with this deck. I'm mm -hmm. not being excluded awesome. here. Yeah, that's what we really hoped. I mean, having it be animals that way already invites a lot more people into the conversation, yes. I think. And we didn't want it to end there because we're also progressives and, you know, activists and, and we speak yep. out about these things. And so we couldn't have the deck not be in alignment with those values or it would have seemed strange to all of our people and ourselves, yeah. too. You know, integrity is a huge value of ours. So uh, it's been quite the journey. And like any anyone who's created a deck, I'm sure can say that you are grown immensely through the process of creating this portal. Yes. It is incredible what it has invited us to step into. Uh, sometimes really scary. It's pushed our edges. It's pushed our comfort zones. And at the same time, I mean, this is what stepping into any kind of healing path will do. And I can really stand behind the words that come through because I know they were like s squeezing blood from stone some days. <laughs> yes. Yes. And I also appreciate that we have, like Lola said, put that integrity piece yeah. into it. And I didn't want just, you know, I'm an e ecological person. I feel conflicted with just, you know, producing more things in the world, <laughs> really. And mm -hmm. if you're going to produce something, produce it so it lasts, that it has a uplifting, positive message, that it can help people and humans grow into their full capability. And mm -hmm. this hopefully achieves that for the people who get to use it. And at the very least, it's inspired me to overcome a lot of my own fear programming. <laughs> you know, you, you tell your family members, hey, I'm going to do a tarot deck with my friends. Like, aren't there like a thousand of them? I'm like, uh, yeah. And there's people who are really excited about that. And so why should I shun people's passion for something right. just because of a fear of like there's already been done i'm like well it hasn't been done in our way so. no. right and that's true of anyone any any business vision any any creative endeavor there's nothing original under the sun card right <laughs> <laughs> and so if if we're trying to be original we're gonna die trying instead yep. of actually living and creating and risking and Standing on the shoulders of others. Yeah, yeah. I mean, this is how it needs to be. So it is. It's a scary endeavor to say, well, this is a thing that we're invested in and creating and spending all this time and energy on. And and yet, what else? What, what better way to really channel this in a really super reachable way? It's and exciting. We, and we really appreciate you giving us the space to, to share and mm -hmm. to be on our old podcast, This Wild Life, and hopefully on future ones yes. uh, with Lola. And 
just being able to talk about it and being so kindly received really it's an honor so I, I appreciate it and knowing that you've paved the way in a lot of ways for modern tarot and accessibility for people and having a coloring book and making a new one for troubled times. Thank, Thank you. you. Mm-hmm. I so appreciate that. And, um, you know, I'm just really crazy about this deck. I cannot wait. <laughs> uh, I think that, you know, us tarot fanatics who've been playing with decks a long time, we're always looking for a new artist vision we don't want to look at the same thing all the time. Oh, no. And being able to see something through your eyes, I think, is it, it, we get a glimpse of you guys, too, yeah. of For the sure. artists. For I, sure. I love that. And Especially the artist Tanya and Lola with her writing, because yeah. Lola's a, definitely a word smithian and does a great job with communicating that. And every time she reads one of her mm-hmm. newer, like she's been having a goal of doing five animals a day. Wow busting it out when we don't have kids and everything else going on in our life. Um, <laughs> and then she'll read them out loud to me and they're just, they're perfect. And I just love it. I was even imagining as she was reading the fourth one in a row to me, just going, don't even, don't even buy the deck, just buy the book. <laughs> right? the book. Like you're going to get so much out of just reading this book. Like get the deck later. Maybe I, I don't know. Have Lola and her menagerie in your pocket anytime you want it. <laughs> Well, I, I love the wisdom that you're sharing in the deck, and I love the wisdom that you shared with me today on the podcast. I swear, you guys, I'm never going to look at that snail the same again <laughs> after yeah. what you two guys have said today. So it's amazing. So let's talk about your Kickstarter campaign. It's launching on Thursday, October 11th, 2018. Uh, I know I'm going to be first in line to be supporting this deck. Uh, so where can people find it? Yeah, they can come reach our website at wildmessengers.com. And once the Kickstarter goes live, they'll get kicked right over to Kickstarter. We'll have it real easy to link up since we don't have the live link for our campaign yet. That's going to be the best place. We also have an email list on there. So special deals and behind the scenes scoops on what's going on. Go to our email list and we are going to have an early bird, lowest ever pricing for the deck and the deck in the guidebook as a set, uh, the book alone. So for early birds, that's just going to get sold until it sells out, which I anticipate will happen pretty quick. And uh, so you want to get in early on the campaign. It's going to run for a whole month. So we're going to stack up as many of these pre-orders as we can and get a big order into our printer. Um, but get in early and you'll get a deal. Yeah. And this isn't one of those Kickstarters where you get to fund it and then you go, Wow, it's 2020. Thanks for my deck and book. That I forgot about. Yeah. <laughs> it's, you know, I've, I'm part of that integrity piece. That was my word for this year, 2018. On um, After the new year, we did a ceremony here. And I called in integrity. And part of that is I want people to feel like they know that they're going to get it in February. Because we're also being realistic with production, production timelines. timelines and Christmas and everything. <laughs> right. So we're hoping for the February where it's starting to ship out and be in people's hands and getting to explore it. So I'm really stoked. And if you get lost trying to find us anywhere, we are the only wild messengers anywhere online, which was amazing when we got it. Yeah. So you could just type in wild messengers at Kickstarter too. Yeah. Excellent. So for everybody who is listening, you are going to want this deck. When you see the back of this deck, you guys are going to be like, oh, my God, I'm born near the snake. So, so, yes, of course, I'm really (laughs) stoked about that. Uh, So I want to thank you both for taking time, you know, to speak with me about this. I know you're crazy busy with this upcoming Kickstarter launch. So thank you so much for sharing your wisdom today. 
Thank you for inviting us on. It's been great. Yeah, it's a deep pleasure and honor. Thank you. Thank you. And so everybody who's listening again, you want to get to wildmessengers.com. Um, the deck is going to be called the Wild Messengers Alchemical Tarot, and it comes with a guidebook. So you're going to want to be looking for all this stuff and keeping an eye on it. And if you are a tarot reader or if you're somebody who's curious about tarot, maybe you want a different style deck. You just haven't found one that appealed to you. This might be the deck you've been waiting for. So keep an eye on it because I think I think all of us are going to want it. <laughs> all right, guys. So... That wraps up this episode of Tarot Bites and a reminder that you can check out lots more tarot goodness on my website, thetarolady.com. I've got free introductory classes for tarot newbies, the tarot coloring book, hundreds of blog posts, astrological forecasts, and lots of other good things for you to scope out and enjoy. I want to thank you again for listening and have a beautiful day. And hey, if you're enjoying this podcast, take a moment to leave a kind review on iTunes because that's going to help more tarot curious people find their way to Tarot Bites. And, of course, I always like to close off by saying to pay close attention to your intuition throughout your day. And let it guide you into making brave, excellent choices. Remember that you are always in the driver's seat of your life. You are in charge of your decisions, your plans, the action steps that you take or don't take. You're the boss. And if you don't like where your life is headed right now, you can change that. Nothing is ever fixed in stone. The tarot cards tell a story, but you write the ending. <laughs>